Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show. I'm Andrew Duncan with the Duncan Duo team at Remax, joined by Mike Corrigan from Cross Country Mortgage. And boy, it's been a heck of a week uh, in our country this week. And uh, while I don't want to talk, uh, we, we do our best, Mike, I think, to avoid talking about politics too much on the show. We, we want to keep it focused on real estate. However, Politics do affect real estate. Uh, who, who's in the White House, who's in the Senate, who's in the Congress, does has, have an impact on real estate investment, the real estate market, um, and, and a variety of different things. And what I found through the years, whenever there's a change in uh, power, whether that's in the Senate, whether that's in the Congress, whether that's in the presidency, there's hesitancy from people. Uh, and then there's also fear and, and kind of rush uh, from some people that that there's going to be some imminent, um, you know, bad stuff by, by people whose whose political party opponent is now in the White House or the Senate and and the Congress. So obviously, it, it appears that we're going to have a new administration and the Democrats are going to control the Senate, the majority, and the presidency. So there are going to be changes to taxes that are going to impact real estate. Um, but I want everyone to understand something. Uh, we've gone through this several times, and and people that think that these changes are going to somehow dramatically cause some major real estate down cycle or, or shift, um, they're just wrong. It doesn't happen like that. Real estate is such a slow-moving market that any changes in government, if they're going to impact negatively, take take years. There, there's no changes that are going to happen in, in the first term here. They're going to cause our real estate market to go through any sudden shift in cycle or slow us down. There's so much positive momentum with interest rates. They've already said are going to continue to stay low, um, you know, with, with demand, supply and demand challenges in Tampa Bay with a strong local uh, economy and more and more people from other parts of the country that are likely going to keep moving here because of what happened with the election, uh, our, our real estate market is just going to continue to be strong. So don't let what you might see on a national news site, you know, CNN, Fox, doesn't matter which side, don't, don't let what they may say about what's coming for the economy make you think that real estate is going to somehow uh, slow down or have some problems this year. It's just not happening. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And even though, now that the, it appears that the Democrats will will control both sides of the, the Congress and the presidency. You know, the Senate's a 50-50 split with the tiebreaker going to the vice president. And so there isn't going to be able to be, you know, we're, we're sort of as a country, and that's what makes our country great, right? There's two, two opposing views on how things should be done. And it, it's darn near gridlock, which is not going to allow for drastic changes to be made, even if people come up with the ideas, because, you know, they're just not going to vote for it. Well, and, and, and I think that that's what, um, what I believe as well. One other really important thing that I think people have to understand and, and you know, that there could be, are there possible changes? Yes. Our of income course. tax is going to go up for higher income earners. Yes. Um, will there maybe be a more, uh, more regulation in place? Possibly, but that could be some, there, there's some good that could happen from that too. Um, but uh, additionally, the only thing that I think some people are concerned about in the real estate industry, I don't think any of us see any of these changes as monumental in terms of a negative impact. Our real estate market is going to keep doing incredibly well. The only thing that could prompt some current home sellers in an equity position that have been living in their home for a while to sell is a possible chance um, and, and that the two out of five, uh, two out of five years is a um, 
resident, a primary residence tax uh, exemption goes away. Right now on the books, if you own a primary residence and you live in it two out of the last five years, and again, consult your CPA, there's some fine print there, but if you live in a primary residence two out of the last five years and you sell your home, uh, you you don't pay capital gains taxes on up to 250 as an individual or up to 500 as a married couple. And that is your primary residence. Okay, you have to live in it. This isn't a real property investment, anything like that. This is the home that you live in the majority right. of the time. And so there are some concerns that that could go away, and it may. But even so, it's not going to happen overly quickly. Um and, and, you know, if there's anyone out there that's thinking about selling, the market is certainly ripe for it. Uh, if you're afraid of that, putting your house on the market, it's going to be welcomed. The market needs inventory. So of those, of that small percentage of people that could be spooked that that may go away, um, if you sell now, you're, you're going to reap a great gain. Um, and the market needs your inventory, frankly. We, we need houses to sell. So, so there are people out there where it could be applicable for them to take their gain in case that's at risk. But every for the last 20 years, every changeover from Democrat to Republican uh, or from Republican to Democrat, that's that's been on the – people said that's on the chopping block, and it hasn't been chopped yet. So, you know, I, I don't know that it will, but, it, but if there's fear that that could happen – um, then, then certainly that's about the only segment of the marketplace that I can see. And that doesn't signal um, a negative thing for the real estate market. That actually signals more transactions and, frankly, inventory with one and a half months of inventory in Tampa. We need the inventory. So if there are people yes. out there that want to do that, it's not going to have a negative impact on the overall segment of the marketplace for that small of a percentage of people that are afraid of it and choose to sell. The market will welcome the inventory, will buy it up, and it will not have an impact on prices uh, at all. So our real estate market, as, as um, you know, proud and loyal you may be as, of, of whatever political party you believe in, our real estate market in Tampa Bay is so well positioned that the, there's really nothing that's going to mess that up anytime soon. And, and I think that uh, that may not be the case in other parts of the country. There are other parts of the country that uh, the fear over an increase in taxes, in addition to um, you know, some Trump policies that eliminated the ability to write off state income tax, could prompt more people from places like New York, like California, uh, like Illinois, with some of these you know, cities and states that have state and local taxes, it could prompt more of them to move here, um, which would, again, continue to fuel the demand for our real estate market. So, again, um, don't let whatever they may say about New York real estate or California real estate and changes coming to the economy, don't let that fear you into thinking that's going to happen here. Real estate is hyper-local. What happens... In Washington, D.C., if it ends up impacting here, it takes a long time. And right now, even some of the most, um, you know, the, the most fearful things that, that conservatives may think could happen with a Democrat-controlled Senate, House, and the presidency, frankly, would probably benefit our real estate market as, as, uh, because it'll drive people here. Uh, so, so, again, don't, don't buy into that. It's just not the reality just doesn't support that. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that you hit on there, too, is that it, none of this will happen quickly. It's not no, like, it's you know, the inauguration is going to happen on the 20th and the 21st. We're going to have new rules or laws or, or things in a place. These things would need to be litigated for a long time. Yeah, and, and I think one other thing that people have to understand uh, about politics, and, and, and one of the things I think has probably been the biggest driving force over everything going on right now is people on the extreme side of either party. 
that are that are driving the narrative for the other party. The reality is that um, no matter who is in the White House and the Senate, there isn't enough um, economic um, control to massively and quickly change a real estate market. Now, could the stock market in one day lose a bunch of points? Yes. But real estate just doesn't work like that. The things that they pass take such a long time to trickle down. And frankly, a lot of times just simply strengthen or weaken real estate in a particular part of the country. Like I was saying before, you have, you know, New York, California, places where people are moving from. We're one of those areas right now that's getting massive population growth. And frankly, um, a lot of it is is conservatives. They're 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 moving here, and we're hearing it from them because we're talking to them. And and what's happening is is they're seeing what's going on in California, New York, and they're they're moving away from that to to here because of of politics. So if you're afraid that the real estate market is going to crash, frankly, Florida is is going to benefit from from some of this, not not be hurt from it. Yep. So. Again, you're listening to the Dunkin' Duo Real Estate Show here on 970 WFLA News. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. We are at the Dunkin' Duo. And as long as I don't talk too much about politics, we won't be suspended in the next 12 or 24 hours. Because <laughs> we like to keep it about real estate. I don't, I don't want to be fact-checked, okay? You, you so. took the words out of my mouth. I was, I was going to say you're st still on air, right? We're still uh, there. You know, We're not going to get suspended because the only reason we're talking about politics, again, is how it relates um, you know how it relates to the real estate market, and and so we'll we'll probably continue talking about it because there's going to be announcements, there's going to be uh, new legislation, there's going to be changes, and those changes are going to impact home buying and selling decisions. The reality, though, is that they impact them far too often because people that are buying into something that just isn't reality, they they fear monger, they think that there's going to be some, um, you know drastic shift and change and and you know and 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 it's it's interesting because every time there's been i mean I'm doing this 16 years now right so i've been building our business for that long i've seen a few administration changes and we've been doing this guaranteed sell program and instant cash offer um you know for ever right um and and so every time there's been an administration change or a change in the house or the senate we get people call us up and they're just, they want a quick cash. They want to get out. They think the world's ending. They think apocalypse is coming. They're ready to take their cash and run because they think the world's going to collapse because they watch way too much news. <laughs> yeah. So the reality is, is that, you know, a lot of times we benefit from, from those scenarios, but, but it's not what ends up happening. So just take a step back, breathe for a minute, you know, let, let some things unfold. Um, but, but in reality, the real estate market in Tampa Bay, Florida, is in excellent shape and is going to continue to be that way uh, for quite a while. So again, um, if you've uh, missed us here, we'll, we'll keep updating on what's going on, how the changes in administration affect real estate, how it could it affect real estate investors, which I think is probably the place where it could impact the most, you know, changes to long and short-term capital gains. Um, I just think that requires investors to be more strategic. And, and you could see, uh, you know, bigger corporations buying and selling less uh, than what they're doing, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Um, that means with demand as high as it is in Tampa Bay, that means more, you know, smaller mom and pop investors may have a shot at buying homes that right now they don't have a chance to compete on. So when you hear some of this news, 
you know, don't don't all, take it with a grain of salt. Most news organizations have a little bit of bias to them. They they want you to keep watching, and uh, we just want to educate you on the facts about what's going on with real estate. So we're gonna be back continuing our conversation. We got some more tips for the new year, uh, some some steps to take if you get denied for a loan, uh, as well after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. I'm Andrew Duncan with the Duncan Duo team. And uh, we were talking before the break about what's going to happen with real estate after an administration change. So if you missed it, make sure to check out our website. Uh, you can get our podcast. You can get uh, links to it as well as uh, all of our socials where we share um, the MP3s from today's show as well as some video to talk about what's going on and how to be prepared for some changes in the real estate market. Though, frankly, I don't think it'll provide a lot of changes, just something you need to be aware of and be uh, prepared for. So let's say you're a home buyer. Uh, or a home seller in this situation. And uh, either you, the home buyer, or the seller that has a home buyer and their loan wasn't approved. What are some steps that home buyer needs to take now um, to, to be able to get approved? Uh, and, and we've got Mike with Cross Country Mortgage. Mike, look, I think first and foremost, the second opinion is probably the first thing you need to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. You should always get a second opinion if, if you're going to be denied. Um, the reality is, is different mortgage companies, different banks, different credit unions, they all have different risk tolerances or they all have different boxes that, you know, that they put uh, what's a qualified buyer in. And, and so just because you don't, you know, you don't fit the qualifications of one um, you know, company doesn't mean the other one isn't willing to be able to do that loan, isn't willing to be able to be creative, isn't willing to be able to, you know, get you approved on the ways that are going to be there. Um, some companies have a wider array of products that are available for somebody that, for whatever reason, it, it, it you know, you, I mean, there's lots of different reasons the loan wouldn't get approved, but, um, you know, for different reasons on why they wouldn't get approved and they may, you know, other companies may have more options, more opportunities. So you want to work with a company that does have a full wide array of products to give you your best chance to get approved for a loan. I think another thing that happens is like you talked about, you know, in the industry, it's called over, you know, overlays, right? right. Where um, you, you have a particular uh, lender who says, oh, you've been denied by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or FHA. And that isn't always accurate. A lot of times someone is denied by the lenders all overlay on top of what the Fannie or Freddie guidelines are because they're attempting to protect themselves. Correct. From, um, you know, loan delinquency. So they put stuff on top of you know, the, the Fannie or Freddie guidelines. So sometimes a lender that, that is within that, uh, one of their, you know, overlays on top of those guidelines, a lender that may just adhere directly to the guidelines can, can qualify you. So again, um, and, and Mike, I, I can say you guys do an incredible job of this. You guys, um, you know, your, your terms and, and stuff allow a lot of buyers to get approved that can't with other banks. And there have been times where you guys have done the right thing for the customer too and said, oh, this one's a, you know, this one's a little tight for us or it's a condo or yep. it's something that, that we don't specialize in. Here's someone we recommend to help the person um, in, in, their, in their time of need get, get a loan and be able to get a house. So it isn't, uh, it isn't the same at every lender. Uh, it's different. And another thing I think that, that matters too is sometimes it can just be some simple tweaks to the credit to where, you know, you can do a rescore and get them rescored in short period of time to be able to get them to qualify if they pay off, you know, some bill that they have the money to pay off. 
Yeah, absolutely. We have actually a credit and with the credit reporting services that we use to pull your credit reports. We actually have a program that's automatically built in there that we can see just exactly that. We can see if there's, you know, opportunities to improve the score. It gives us what the opportunity is. And then we can drill down. So if a buyer says, hey, I have a thousand dollars that I can use to help improve my credit. I know I need to do some things or five hundred dollars or five thousand dollars, whatever it may be. We can actually go in there and plug in there and the system will tell us what to do. Say, hey, pay this capital one down to this or pay this off or pay that collection, whatnot. And that will give the the improvement in the score. So, again, it's just advising your clients, right? It's advising them in being not just, um, you know, someone that's going to quote them something off there, but truly consulting with them and putting them in the best situation, the best opportunity to buy. Yeah, no question about it. I think one one other thing on that same, you know, kind of token when you're talking about. Uh, tweaks. Sometimes someone doesn't have enough money in reserves. They don't have right. enough, or, or they don't have enough down payment, and they need someone to help provide that. Sometimes that causes a little bit of a delay. But I think most home buyers today understand going into it, and sellers too, that there, you know, there's some strictness in their lending requirements, and sometimes some adjustments need to be made if they're if they're short on the reserves or money that they don't have that they need to have. Uh, there are ways to alleviate that too. There are ways where they can, um, you know, get funds from a friend or a family member. Again, it has to be all documented. Um, you know, th there are different ways they can get money to solve that problem in a relatively short time as well that I've seen remedied by good and crafty lenders and botched by not good lenders. Yeah, we do a we do a large amount of loans that do have gifts associated with them. And again, they need to be from certain parties, you know, mo most specifically family members. Um, a majority of the time, there are some ways you can get it from employers and some um, nonprofits, things like that. But um, we do a lot of loans with gifts. And again, as long as you can document it, and that's the most important thing in our business nowadays is just make sure you can document and paper trail everything, then it's no problem. It doesn't take any longer. It's not any more um, arduous or strenuous of a process. It's just as long as we line up all of uh, you know the proverbial ducks in a row and make sure we document it. It's not a problem at all. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and when we aren't on air, Mike, how can people get a hold of you guys for financing, refinancing uh, related questions? What are the best phone numbers, websites to uh, to reach you guys? Yeah, you can always reach out to me directly uh, at 813-377-2743. Again, 813-377-2743. Or you can go to crosscountrytampa.com, all one word, crosscountrytampa.com. Get more information. You can apply um, and you know, we're always here available to answer any questions or help you out. Awesome. And we're going to be back. We're going to talk about mistakes when buying a home sight unseen, something that in a really low inventory market is happening a lot right now. We'll talk about that after a quick break here on 970. So we're back here on the Duncan duo show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market, Andrew Duncan, uh, with the Duncan duo, Mike Corrigan, cross country mortgage. So when you have a really healthy real estate market with high demand and low supply, and people are traveling for vacations, which has been happening, obviously, through the holidays, and we're not far off from spring break when it's going to be happening again. Demand is rampant. Bidding wars are, are the norm. Uh, you, you start to see more offers from people for houses that they have not actually seen in person. And, and it happened to us a lot during Christmas and around New Year's with new listings that would hit, we get offers from people within like two hours of it listing, and we don't even have a showing request for it. It's like, wait a second, hold up. You haven't even seen the house yet. I mean, I know the photos and the videos are incredible because we're really good at it. You know, so, so I know that they're awesome, uh, again, because, 
you know, we, we perfected that over, you know, 15 years in business. But the reality is you, you really do need to see a house to know the true picture of what you're buying. But the market prompts a lot of buyers and agents to be more proactive and take that risk. So we see a lot of cancellations of deals because people then go out and drive a neighborhood or they go and they look and they see, you know, um, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies living across the street with, you know, cars up on blocks in the yard and they decide they don't want to live there. Right. And, and so it's one of those things where as a buyer, um, you know, you, you, you have to be proactive and it's the market that we're in, but as a seller, I'm a little hesitant. Um, when, when my best offer in a multiple offer situation, somebody hadn't seen the house because I don't want to turn away all these other buyers and then have you flake in the inspection period because you go out to the house to see something you don't like because you never actually step foot in it. Because again, virtual can show you a lot about a house, but there's nothing that will replace the experience of walking through it. The smell, um, the, the vibe, the neighborhood, how well the streets maintained, what's the parking situation like. All those are things that aren't always revealed in the photos and the videos. So, um, you know, buyers make those mistakes a lot. So here are a few of them. Not asking the right questions, a few mistakes. So you, you've got to ask some questions. And sometimes those questions aren't of the realtor. Let me explain. You may want to know what crime is like in the neighborhood or what uh, the, the, uh, the, the community makeup, the demographics are. Realtors are um, you know, regulated by fair housing laws that prevent us from answering some of those questions. Those are questions you have to learn on your own. Maybe you need to go drive through the neighborhood. Maybe you need to do your own research on Google. Um, you know, because there are sometimes questions that you may have that matter to you that, that a real estate agent can't answer legally. So real estate agents aren't always the right source for your information. That's why it's super important. That's why going to the house, driving the neighborhood, walking through the house, that's why it matters to people. That, that it really does. So, you know, if you skip that process, you're taking risk for yourself and you're risking money because you put up an escrow deposit to go under contract. Contract doesn't allow you to get out for whatever you want. You can't just cancel because you changed your mind. You know, there's contractual provisions there. You may have to spend money on an inspection and sure the inspection will probably find something to get you out. But the reality is, is now you lost money because you wasted money on a home inspection. If you would just gone out and looked at the house. Second thing, not hiring a good local agent can matter. A, a local agents know the local neighborhoods. Uh, I, I see this happen a lot when people want to use their uncles, brothers, neighbors, cousins, buddies, friends, uh, fiance from Orlando to represent them on a purchase in Tampa. And the person from Orlando really doesn't want to drive here. They want their commission. So we, we see that a lot when people hire their friend from a neighboring area that doesn't know an area and doesn't want to show the house, doesn't want to drive here, but the buyer wants to save the commission. And then it ends up costing them a bundle. They're, they're penny wise and pound foolish. So, you know, you, you've got to work with a local agent. Um, not fully using all the technology available. You know, Google Street View allows you to see a whole lot of angles about a property, um, you know, aerial views, all, you know, knowing the street and traffic flow, um, you know, estimating drive times are another one. I've seen people cancel because they didn't like the traffic because they never went to the house. Uh, not demanding a floor plan. I find it funny that they use that this article used language of demanding because in a seller's market, 
you're not demanding anything. The right. seller does not need you when they have seven offers. Okay. You can ask nicely for, for a floor plan, but a lot of times it ain't available. That's why you need to go to the freaking house. You know, it, it's just the reality of it. Floor plans are rarely available. A lot of people don't want to spend, nor do the agents want to spend extra money, especially in a market when they don't have to because there's seven offers on a house. You're not likely getting a floor plan today unless it's a new construction build or relatively new construction build where they still have the floor plan. It's just not that common. So you can request one, but if you demand one from a home seller in today's market, your <laughs> offer's probably going in the trash. You know, we had, an, we had a funny situation this week, um, and, and I'm going to go off on a bunny trail here before I get to the last point here of, of um, you know, things that you, that you need to uh, avoid when buying a home site unseen. But, but we had an agent uh, make an offer over New Year's, and the offer was $90,000 below list on a bidding war house. I won't tell you the percentages because I, I, I don't want to alienate a client or an agent, but, but it was a pretty substantial amount of off the asking price. This particular agent um, sent an email. Um, you know, I think the offer was made before a holiday, and then it was the email was sent like first thing Monday morning after the holiday that their client was so offended that their offer wasn't addressed or responded to before the home went pending. So the client actually said, throw that crap in the garbage, except they said it in uh, not as nice terms, and don't respond to it because they had an excellent offer that they were going to accept. We followed our client's instructions. We didn't counter or answer the offer because we have a fiduciary duty to the seller, but the agent was in an uproar. Our response was, next time don't offend the seller with some stupid offer. Because the reality is if you demand anything in a market like today, forget it. You just lost every chance that you have of getting a house when there's a bidding war situation. So, so don't demand anything. Don't, don't demand a response. Don't ask for some super fast response. Like we've got, we've got agents asking for 12-hour answers on offers that we know are going to be bidding wars. We're not stupid. We sold thousands and thousands and thousands of homes. Our team sells more homes than anybody else. We, we, you can't, we're not going to get pressured into rushing your offer acceptance along because of your client being offended. You're not in the straight position. It's a seller's market. There's like a month of inventory out there. Don't demand anything. It's not, you're not doing yourself any favors. Uh, last point of, of um, you know, mistakes to avoid when buying a home sight unseen. This one's also uh, a little bit tricky, but not getting an appraisal at a home inspection. Now, you're not likely to get an appraisal at a home inspection before you see the house, right? That's just not happening. Um, you have to go under contract and, and all these things. But there are people making offers on home sight unseen with no contingencies in them. And that's risky. You've not even seen the house. You're not going to have an inspector look at it, and you're not going to appraise because you're buying cash. That's risky. And again, it's a risk that some buyers, because of either their experience or their financial comfort level, are okay taking in a market that's this competitive. But it is a risk, and it's caused people to lose bundles of money and make mistakes where they're calling us weeks later saying, oh, that house we just bought from you guys, we're ready to sell because um, you know we shouldn't have bought it, and we never went in it. And we just went in it for the first time after closing, and we don't like it. I've had it happen. And, hey, it's a blessing for me. Thank you very much. We appreciate the extra transactions, but uh, I'd prefer to uh, help people avoid making that same mistake. So, yeah, 
you know, it, it, and it just, that's the reality of it. A lot of people make that mistake. And Mike, I'm sure on the lending side, you guys deal with people that are getting qualified for a loan and you're going through this whole hassle of working through their financials and putting all this work in. And then they walk on the house. The second they walk in it, they, they say we're out. Yeah. And it's it, right. And that can be frustrating. And it, you know, so if you have a chance, you should go see it. And you know, the, the not getting a home inspection thing is, is probably the biggest one out of that list that, that I would say, unless you are, I mean, an expert of all experts, you know, right. your contract, uh, if you are a general contractor yeah. builder or something like that, they, you know, they're, you know, like, you know, it's the old saying, you know, you can put uh, lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig, right? Like, I mean, it's, you know, it, it may look good, but you want to see what's under the cover and the home inspector can do that for you. And it's worth the investment to find out because you don't want to get in and find you have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of work or you have a huge issue or, you know, in Florida, we have mold. I mean, there's so many different things that that can happen. Um, the, the home inspection is the biggest thing I, I would just I would never um, recommend to anybody not getting a home inspection. Away I, so, that so, and, and here when you said this, this is really important to differentiate because I could probably make a meme about this and it would be really funny. But I want you guys to understand who is considered an expert on determining condition of a home. Yes. A licensed general contractor, a builder, a home inspector that's seen thousands of homes, okay? This is what is not considered an expert, okay? Your father-in-law who <laughs> once built a shed in his backyard out of two-by-fours. Or your uncle who uh, cleans carpets, okay? Those are not experts on the condition of a house. I, I can't tell you how, oh, I'm, I'm super savvy. I'm very uh, construction oriented, you know, and then you ask them, it's like, you know, oh, I, I do uh, pool repairs. It's like, but how, do you know anything about HVAC? Oh, I, I do pool repairs. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, it, it really does matter. Like experience matters. It's the same thing we say in real estate. A lot of times when we talk about uh, you know, a difference for us in terms of how many transactions we do. It's not the number of years that you've been doing something. It's how much of it you've actually done. Right. There are agents on our team that get more experience in transactions in one year than an average agent may get in five. And, and so that experience really does matter. If you're, if you're, if you're some guy that is a novice and has, you know, built a barn in his backyard, you're not an expert on construction quality in, uh, you know, residential uh, new builds or, or resell homes. So be very cautious when you trust your friends, your family on stuff like that. I've seen far too many people put too much trust in, in those folks. Yes. Uh, and you can trust them maybe with uh, conversations and maybe with other parts of your life that they're an expert on, but, but, but know what an expert is when you're really making big decisions and making, frankly, probably the most expensive purchase of your life. Yeah. So, and you want, you want an objective view at that point in time too. You don't want someone who's going to want to lean it in your favor or not. You want the objective, Hey, what is, what, what is good or bad with, with this property? Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, like when it, when it's mom or dad, right? Like mom or dad, mom and dad are just, they're just as biased as can be, man. Right. And, and so it, let me explain. I remember, you know, before, before the Duncan duo built this business with thousands of home sales and all these people working for us, we were out working with customers, just like any other real estate agent. And I remember a customer that had their mom coming out to all these houses with them. Okay. And this was a grown person with their mom at every showing and Hey, look, kudos to them for having a great relationship with their mom. Right. But it was clear after the first showing that mom didn't want daughter living 30 minutes away. So every single house that was 30 minutes from mom, 
Oh, mom would go all point out every single bad thing about it you could possibly imagine. But those houses that were five minutes away from mom, man, they were like the Taj Mahal. <laughs> they were amazing. They were the most amazing homes you'd ever see. And it was so obvious to me, but not to the to the customer. And 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 I had to sit down and say, look, do you, what is it that you really want? Because to me, from what I'm hearing from you, it doesn't make sense. And here's what I'm seeing. And eventually she ended up buying 30 minutes from mom because she found the right house and it was everything that she wanted. And, and she had to kind of, she started to realize and hear exactly what I was hearing that the right homes, everything that she told me, the checklist of homes that she, things that she wanted in her house were being met and she was declining them because mom didn't like it. Well, mom didn't like it because it was 30 minutes instead of five minutes and the homes five minutes away from mom because mom had some money were way too expensive, way too expensive. So they were all fixers that needed all kinds of stuff. And this was a first time home buyer. So again, your friends and family don't always uh, help you make the right decisions. You've got to look for unbiased outside opinion uh, a lot of times. They, they have your best. They, they have what they think is your best interest in mind, but it isn't always the case. So, again, we're going to wrap our show with our last segment after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan with Mike Corrigan from Cross Country Mortgage. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. We even got we got a cool TikTok channel. So if you're one of the, you know, few people listening to us that has adapted to TikTok, <laughs> we're on there. We got some cool stuff. We're putting out some cool content. Make sure to follow us at the Duncan Duo. So Mike, uh, there are a lot of people confused about this, and and I think our next few minutes we want to clarify for people because there is a, a a strong misunderstanding of the difference between a second home and an investment property. Yeah. So. I, I want us to clarify for people, help people understand what is considered a second home and then what is considered an investment property because how they're financed can be drastically different. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the biggest part comes in, right? Is if you're going to, if you need financing and a mortgage to get that. So a second home um, or a vacation home is a property that is not your primary residence um, that is going to be for the most part primarily used by you. Generally speaking, they are in an area and we live in an area in Tampa Bay where there's tons of it, you know, maybe near the water. It may be near a lake. It may be, um, you know, a cabin. It may be things that are there, but you're going to go spend your weekends there. You're going to spend summers there, winters there, whatever it may be. Um, but it's primarily going to be by used by you. And you do have the ability, you are able to rent it out for short periods of time. You may rent it out a month or two, uh, you know, over the course of the year, but primarily it is going to be used as you as a second place for you to go or a vacation place for you to go. An investment property, which may be the exact same if you're looking at a condo, the exact same unit or the exact same um, house that's going to be there. But if it's your intention that you are going to rent it out 100% of the time, or you hope to rent it out 100% of the time, then it's a, it's an investment property, um, and you know needs to classify that way. And with an investment property, um, there's some more risks that are associated with them. Nationwide statistics say so. so the interest rate may be a little bit higher. You're going to be required to put more, a, a larger down payment down. Um, that that's going to be there. So those are the main differences, uh, you know, that that are going to be there. They're going to look at when you're qualifying for an, an investment property. Um, Depending on you know your credit, your income, those sort of things, do you have a history of doing it? Is this the first time you're you're reporting an investment property? Are you trying to qualify using potential future rents um, of the place you're buying in order to qualify for the loan, or can you cover it yourself? So those are some of the biggest differences. I think one other thing is that 
Um, you know, cause there are people that say, well, I want an investment property cause I'm going to Airbnb it and I'm going to use it every once in a while. I think the definition to me is what are you going to do more of? Right. Are you going to stay in it more than you're going to rent it? Or are you going to rent it more than you stay in it? There, there's, you, you can certainly have a seasonal rental investment property that you use occasionally and it'd be considered an investment property. But, but there's definitely a, a sliding scale there depending on how much you use it compared to how much you rent it out. Yeah, and I'll give you a perfect example. You know, there's so many condos along, you know, our beaches here that that people have say, and people go buy a condo and they say, well, it's going to be a second home, but I do plan to rent it out in the peak season in the winter, you know, January through April, we get a lot of snowbirds come down, those types of things. That's perfectly okay to still consider that a second home and rent it out for those periods of time because the rest of the year you're going to use it. Um, and, and, and you plan to use that. So, um, we see that a lot, um, that's going to be there, but if you're going to do a long-term lease, a 12 month lease or anything else, you have to call it an investment property. Yeah. And, and, and again, there are a lot of people that say, Hey, look, I want to buy this and I want to make money on it, but it's really more for my own personal use. So I think a lot of that will depend on, again, how much their, their plan is, how much they plan to use it, how much they, you know, how much they rent it. All, all of these things are, are an important factor, you know, that, that, that has to go into the consideration about whether or not something is investment or whether or not it's a sec home. And like you mentioned, financing can change too, right? You, you can get uh, different financing rates depending on whether or not it, it's a second home. And then what's considered, you know, how far away from your house does it have to be? Those types of things matter for second home determination and they don't necessarily for investment home. Right, exactly. And in, while there's no, you know, written hard, fast rule of distant wise, especially in an area where we live, where, you know, in two miles water versus from a neighborhood, right? yeah. yeah, you know, it, it can be there. But yeah, if you're buying in one neighborhood and now this is your third property and you're buying in the subdivision over, you know, the, the lender's going to look at that and say, look, you know, it looks like you're buying this as an investment property. There's got to be right. a reason, a logical reason that it would be a, a, a vacation home. Um, Correct. And so that's where, you know, human underwriting comes in and takes a look at the whole situation. So, yeah, no doubt about it. Perfect. So, so again, you've been listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show. If you missed our show, you can always go to our website and go to any of our socials, learn more about what we talked about today. We talked about, you know, how the presidential election, as well as the change of power in the, in the Congress and the Senate could impact real estate. Frankly, it's, it's not going to impact that much at all. It, it, it will likely benefit Florida in the short term. Um, we also talked about, uh, you know, in our last segment, um, you know, we talked about uh, the difference between second vacation homes. Uh, we, we talked about uh, steps and things to consider when buying a home uh, site unseen as well. So make sure to check out all of our socials. When we aren't on air again at the Duncan Duo, the Duncan Duo.com. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay, and go Bucks.